With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Mets fans, welcome to episode 271 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. My name is Brian Salvatore, thank you for joining us tonight. In just a few minutes, we will be taking you live to a recording from the ARG, the Amazing Avenue Regional Gathering here that we held at the District Tap House in Midtown this past Saturday night. It was a really fun time, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But first, last week, Chris McShane and I had a chance to speak with Mets minor league Mets minor league pitcher Corey Taylor. It was hard to get out for some reason. It's not even a hard phrase. Uh, anyway, Corey called us from Florida. We were able to talk a little bit about his history as a sports fan, his role in the Mets organization, and most importantly, where to get the best wings and bingo. So check it out. So joining us this week on Amazing Avenue Audio, uh, Corey Taylor, right-handed relief pitcher, who uh, those of you who are familiar with the minor league system Probably no, uh, but you know, Mets fans. This is uh, we thought we'd start with a little bit of an introduction. Uh, if you were unfamiliar, Corey, uh, you know where you're from. Uh, where'd you grow up? Who'd you root for in baseball? Did you have a favorite player when you were young? 
that kind of background stuff, I think, would be a good place to start. Alrighty, uh, I grew up in Kennedale, Texas. It's about, about probably about ten miles from uh, Fort Worth. So I usually tell everybody Fort Worth because they don't know where Kennedale is. Um, uh, grew up a Texas Rangers fan. Um, big, uh, big Rangers fan. I, I didn't really have a favorite player. I was more of a big basketball fan. Uh, the Lakers, like Kobe and all them, were my favorite uh, favorite athletes growing up. But uh, yeah, always big Ranger fan, right down the street from my house, and always uh, supported the local team around me. Yeah, I always felt like, and I know they're getting a new park in the relatively near future, but I always felt like that ballpark somehow wound up being a little bit underrated um, over the last few years. Where you, you know, being that it was that close, did you make it out to a lot of Rangers games at the ballpark in Arlington? Oh yeah, definitely. That that ballpark is underrated. It's, it's a great it's a great venue, especially now. Uh, Jerry World is right next to it. It's, it's a pretty it's gonna be a pretty nice setup. But yeah, it's always fun getting out there. It's a it's a definitely unique, and it's a good authentic feel for sure. Yeah, I was there, and I guess it was two thousand and eight or so, and it was I had a great time. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, so awesome. so for folks who maybe haven't seen you pitch, for folks who maybe want to know about. What kind of stuff you have? How would you describe yourself as a pitcher? What's your what's your repertoire like? What do you think's your best pitch? And what are you hoping to work on this spring? Uh, I'm I'm a guy that's going to throw a lot of strikes. Uh, try to keep the ball down the zone. Uh, sinker, slider, changeup. Uh, just attack guys. Get be aggressive. Uh, get get the hitters to put the ball in play, and uh, make uh, my infield work. You know, so a lot of hopefully a lot of ground balls and just. And just uh, keep the keep the, the position guys on their toes. Always ready to play uh, this spring. I'm looking forward just to getting back out there, getting getting better at everything. Uh, just keeping the ball down, getting a lot of ground balls, and uh, and just uh, polishing myself, and just and keep keep grinding, keep working, and get get into the season and stay healthy. <laughs> One of the things I think that's always uh you know, fascinating, especially with pitchers is, you know, as you're around other guys, um, as you're in big league camp, there's sort of this, you know, opportunity for knowledge to be shared. We hear all the time about pitchers who, you know, pick up on something from, uh, from somebody else. Uh, and you know, there, obviously there's pitching coaches and, and all that sort of stuff, but is there any player along the way who you've encountered thus far in your uh, professional career who has had that kind of a, a relationship with you or, or just somebody that you picked up something from? Um, uh, uh, I, I mean, there's every guy I talk to, I try to pick their mind. Uh, um, my, my roommate actually, uh, and I, he, we got drafted together, PJ Coleman. Um, we always, we always talk baseball. We always, he, he's helped me out a bunch. Be, him being left-handed, me being right. It's, it's a good way to look at different side, how he pitches, how I pitches. And we compare each other all the time. And, uh, try to help each other get better but as we go i mean especially being in big league camp for the second year i always try to be around those guys in the bullpen and just see how they go about their day-to-day business and uh just to try to uh uh mock that just maybe not not mock it all the way but just a little bit and how they carry themselves and go about their day day to day one of the things we hear about a lot as fans is how when you jump from one level to the next you notice something different. You know, maybe it was 
you know, in, in rookie ball players, you know, were susceptible to the slider. And then when you get to the next level up, you realize, oh, that pitch isn't working as well. What was the biggest adjustment you had to make going into last season at double A to sort of get hitters out a different way? Like, how did you have to change your stuff a little bit? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just not making mistakes over the plate. Uh, I think that year in high A, I would uh, make mistakes every now and then, and I just, I think I got away with it more times than not. But in double A, and especially in the higher levels, it's it's not going to be like that. I mean, if you make you make pitches over middle plate, and these these guys are good enough, they're gonna they're gonna it's not gonna be a single. It's gonna be doubles and, and home runs. You know what I mean? So I think really being uh, really focusing every single pitch and and keeping the ball out of the middle of the plate and keeping the ball down. That's I think that was the biggest adjustment for me. So uh, so yeah, one of the things that uh, that we like to hear about sometimes too is just. You know, as you work your way through the the minors, um, and then also when you're in Florida for spring training, uh, what you know, obviously you're in big league camp now, um, but whatever level you're at, uh, there tends to be a lot of downtime in between. Um, you know, what are the things that you generally do uh, in either one of those scenarios? Any any particular favorite go tos to uh, you know to entertain yourself between uh, all the baseball days? Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, honestly, probably just video games and hours right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> play a lot, play a lot of Fortnite right now. So, and just chilling, chilling. Like I said, my roommate Peter Conlon and uh, Corey Oswald. We all hang out. We're all pretty good friends. So anything, anything that comes up, like I think tomorrow the team's got like a, a shark fishing or something like that. But stuff like anything and everything, I'm, I'm down. Um. I got on a similar note. We like to talk to guys about uh, about their favorite food, about the type of food they like to eat. So, when you're uh, during the season, do you have like a particular favorite place to eat, or do you have uh, you know a spot you can recommend for all of our listeners who might be traveling up to Binghamton this season to see a game? Okay, yeah, Binghamton. Uh, they have like this best the best wings at this old Union Hotel. It's the best wings I've ever had. Really. It's uh, yeah, hands down. It's the best wings. It's old Union Hotel, and if you drive past it, you know you don't think it's a restaurant, but you gotta put it in your GPS and just trust it. And it is the best wings, hands down. And they have good blue cheese too. Are they spicy? Are they crispy? What kind of wings are you talking here? I mean, we got anything like spicy wings. They got both. I like the uh, the bar, just the regular barbecue wings. The, their barbecue. I don't know what they do with the barbecue. It's 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 bomb. It's 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 good. A lot of guys got like honey, chipotle wings or something like that. A bunch of guys. They they have anything. They have pretty much every wing you can think of. I feel like the uh, the barbecue wing recommendation coming from somebody who's from Texas it gives it even that much more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know my barbecue, and they 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 do they do a good job with their wings. So. Uh, <clears throat> I guess sort of, you know, <laughs> a little bit of a tangent, but, uh, you know, a lot of Mets fans are Giants fans like myself. Uh, I would I would assume you're a Cowboys fan, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then I know uh, in basketball, I would also assume 
the Mavericks were your team, being that they were the local team, right? Uh, Mavericks is second team, my second favorite team. Uh, oh, you said I'm Lakers. Actually, I'm actually a, yeah, I'm actually a Lakers fan just because just how much uh, Kobe was uh, my favorite player. Right, Kobe right, right. Tech, so. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, any particular highlights over the last couple of years just, uh, you know, as, as a fan of other sports? Um, any cool things that came up, as, you know, as a professional athlete yourself that you wound up doing with any of those? Uh, not too much. I mean, uh, we went to the Cowboys game. I went to the Cowboys game Thanksgiving uh Thanksgiving, uh, when they play the Panthers on Thanksgiving Day, that, I don't know, that was like a couple years back. That's probably about it since I've gotten drafted. I haven't really gone to any events or anything like that. That's uh, when Tony Romo was still the quarterback and he got hurt that game. But uh, not too much. No, I'm a big, big, big football fan. I uh, fantasy football, all that stuff. Huge. It kills me that the Eagles won. But <laughs> Okay, yeah. so we, we can 100% agree on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it. It kills me, but hey, their team, their team, their team is good. They were a good team. And you know, it didn't hurt that they beat Brady. You know, I, I'm not an Eagles yeah, fan at all, exactly. but but it's nice to see Brady lose a little bit there. Yeah, uh, it's it's a little bittersweet, I guess. Yeah, it, it, this is pretty much the worst Super Bowl for New York fans because we don't like the Eagles or the Patriots at all. So it was uh, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty rough for us, but that's all right. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, uh, good luck this season, and we hope we see you in Queens sooner than later. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, Mets fans. Welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, live from the ARG at the District Tap House in Midtown. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday night. It, it really is. It's 10.05. It's time to party. <laughs> I'm Brian. Chris is here, too. We're going to have a, a variety of Amazing Avenue folks stopping by today to talk about all things Mets. But uh, first up, Chris, last time we spoke, you once again said the Mets would not make any moves. Right. And then almost instantly, Jason Vargas was signed a two-year contract with an option here. Of course. Overall, what do you think about the Vargas signing? So I was a little more, I had a more visceral negative reaction at the time that it happened. Okay. So now that some time has passed, I think I'm... I guess maybe in more in the camp of it's fine. Uh, Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb at this particular point in time are still unsigned. I understand that they had some compensation attached to them, uh, draft right. draft related international international bonus pool uh, allotments of, 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 of uh, money. I, I, I get that, but that to me is not a good enough excuse. To choose to sign Jason Vargas for two years instead of signing one of those guys, and we still don't know what they will ultimately get. Right. But let's say that they would take—I don't know—if Jason Vargas got two years guaranteed at eight each, uh, let's say Lance Lynn would take four years at twelve, eleven. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. yeah, somewhere in the in the low, you know, teens. Uh, uh, I don't see how you don't make that jump from guy who can be a fifth starter uh, 
uh, and, and doesn't have this immaculate record of health when you can spend a little bit more and get somebody who has a better record of health. Be a second, third starter. Right. So Jason Vargas is fine in isolation, but given the context of the rest of what has gone on recently, uh, I just, I can't, I don't, I don't love it. And I'm a guy who spent since August or July, I kept, I've been harping on like they need more starting pitching. Yeah. And then they finally said, I guess we need more starting pitching. And they got the least inspiring guy they could find. And it might be fine. Like if it all, I, 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 I might be repeating myself from Twitter. If it all works out, if everybody is reasonably healthy, and Jason Vargas is the fifth starter, and some combination of DeGrom Syndergaard and Harvey Wheeler-Matz fill out those, you know, those other spots, and Vargas is there, and they go and they have, like, a, a good gear, they can come back at everybody and say, hey, look, we were right. Right, right. That and doesn't it, mean they made the right choice well, now. That, that's exactly the right point. I feel like for the 4 or $5 million, that would be the difference in the average annual value between a Vargas and a Lynn or a Cobb. You're going to get so much more value out of one of the other guys, even just in the short term. Look, the Mets window is closing, right? You need to win in the next year or two realistically. So wouldn't you want to give yourself the best position to do that? And we're not talking about signing a $100 million player here. We're talking about a $40 million four-year contract or something somewhere around that ballpark. Right. It seems insane that that's a bridge too far for ownership. Right. Again, it's the best ownership. We, we know what the story is here. But, uh, well, and I would hate for, and I fully expect this to happen, but I would hate for Matt Harvey to come back, have a pretty good year, you know, be a viable major league starting pitcher again. And then them to be like, well, we have Jason Vargas. And they put up similar stats. So, of course, we're going to just let Harvey walk. Because we have Jason Vargas. That that scares me more than anything. Because the lack of activity with, with bullpen moves and starting rotation moves is not just about 2018. Right. To me, so they yes, they have Swarzak and Vargas for multiple years uh, in isolation. They're both fine, but there's this sort of state of denial. I think about Oliver Perez signed a minor league contract today. That's kind of crazy too. Now, like that—that's not the move I want to make. But you know, but, I, but think about you that. haven't been doing this long enough. That is the move I wanted them to make. <laughs> I wanted nothing more than for Oliver Perez to re- Oliver Perez and Omar Minaya to return to the Mets and have a, 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 a blissful reunion. That is true. Uh, we are joined at the tail by the Green Man himself, <laughs> Steve Schreiber. Steve, what do you think of this Jason Marcus move? I I said it on on Twitter. Uh, Wait, you're on Twitter? I, no, no I, I am. I don't know. I'm okay. not sure. Okay. You know, I I I said it. A little while after it happened, like, it's fine, it's okay, it's, you know, it's a move. Um, that's the the uh, best way I can describe it. It, it, <laughs> it happened, right? It happened. Um, 
I um, I was a little I was a little surprised. I think that they that they had to go two years to get him. Two years and an option. And an option, yeah. For for a thirty five year old guy who had, you know had a, in in some had a had a good you know solid year. I mean, aside from the you know the, the eighteen wins or whatever, you know. Um, he had a very know. good first half. Yeah, right, and that's sort of I think the 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 question is what. You know what? What are you going to get? Are you going to get? Is is you know is the first half Vargas? Is that something that you could possibly get back? And did he just hit a wall in the second half, or is the second half sort of a harbinger of kind of things to come? Um, so it's it's for for a thirty five year old guy. I feel like it's a little um, curious. I think a two year commitment. You know to go that length and not to just. You know, shell out a little bit more for uh, you know for Lynn or for Cobb in that way. You know, not just you know. Aside from the draft pick, which I mean, I don't really, I don't really care about. I don't really care about the next Matt Reynolds. You know, to be honest, Um, because that's it's kind of what a second round pick is uh, with this team. You know, Um, right? Desmond Lindsay. Could be yeah. the exception to the right. to the rule, or, right. or Vientos, I guess, is like is that's like the holy grail. If you mention a second round pick, that's what people right. on Twitter bring up. Yeah. But that's like that's not that's not the norm either. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so you know, it's uh, you know, if, if that's the price, you know, if it's a little, you know, if it's say another year or two and like a couple million extra. For you know a guy like Lynn, who's you know put up, who's you know thrown like thirty starts a year and a you know sub four ERA every year of his career, you know why not? You need guys going forward, like you said, you know with Harvey question mark and Wheeler and Matts and you know I need these guys. A, a, a small piece of this is that if you sign a Lynn or a uh, a Cobb and your young pitchers are doing really well. Then you have a surplus to trade from in some in some combination of that, right? If Vargas is a good year, does anybody believe they could trade for him and continue that? Like, it seems like no, there's the Mets caught lighting in the bottle, and that's good, good for them, but it's not there's no value on for another team in that. You could you could maybe maybe trade him, but it's gonna be like a like a salary dump or something. Exactly. You're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna deal one year of Jason Vargas at 36 years old for you know a, a non prospect or right. you know salary relief or something yeah. like that. So yeah, it's just silly. Yeah. But we have the green man here, and we have an important. Uh, we touched on this a little bit in the previous podcast. We haven't really dug deep here, but uh, I'm just gonna let you fit this way, Steve. What do you what do you want to talk about here? <clears throat> it's a sad day, you know, because uh, our, our friend, our, our good friend of the of the website of the account, uh, Mark Craig, left Mets. You mispronouncing Craig. Craig, sorry, I, I apologize. Mark Craig, M A R K C R A I G, uh, left the Mets beat writing uh, brothership brotherhood, brother sisterhood, something like that. Yeah, for, yeah, there we go. That's that's a good way to put it. Um, so he, uh, you know, is taking a new job covering the Yankees with the Athletic. You know, and I, I, I can't help but feel a little, uh, a little depressed, a little, a little uh, even forsaken. You know, <laughs> that that he's uh, he's left us behind. You know, I thought we had, I thought we had something good here, Mark. <laughs> now you've never met Kirk in person, have you? That's correct. 
I've tried. I, would, I, would, I, I, I have tried. I, I have tried to get Green Man and, and Mark in the same room. I, I have failed. And and at this point, at this point, I would never be. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I uh, you know, it hasn't hasn't happened, but you know, maybe maybe someday. Someday. Um, a couple of Jersey guys yeah. are arguing about baseball. Yeah. Or or each other. I don't know. <laughs> Not too. Uh, not to get too in the weeds with media stuff here, but as somebody who reads a lot of baseball stuff on the internet, are you interested in the athletic? Am I interested? Yes. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm interested. I think it's, uh, you know, it, knowing the the limitations, I think, of, of free journalism, I think it's... Um, you know, I think it's it's sort of a necessity ultimately to have you know to to, to pay to have you know a a, a pay format you know. Um, so I don't know you know I don't know how things will work for the athletic and you know maybe uh, you know maybe uh, Mark will uh, will help uh, bring some extra uh, dollars in something like that. But um, you know, you care enough to subscribe yourself. Do I really want to read Mark Riggs' writing all the time? Do, do I really want to want to pay for it? He, he is getting tagged in the tweet about that. Yes, he is. <laughs> Look, this is very hashtag on brand for you. So. You know, Ken Rosenthal's there. Ken Rosenthal is a, a great writer. He's a great, you know... He wears he breaks, a good bow tie. Yeah, updates. He, and he's like my height, you know. He breaks <laughs> all the news, you know. It's like if anything's breaking, it's you know, it's Rosenthal, and then like John Heyman comes up with like you know, oh you know, I I, I got this news uh, hash, you know, hat tip, first, yeah, yeah, hat tip Rosenthal, you know. But I like, do, I do think the athletics uh, model opens things up. Heyman does, you know, he breaks his own news uh, fairly regularly yeah. as well. And uh, I, I feel like Heyman now has this advantage that writing for Fan Rag Sports gets him, uh, you know, the opportunity that if he breaks news, people will read it. We're just saying goodbye to our friend Nate from Colorado who's walking away. So, say hi. Hi, folks. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I feel like Fan Rag Sports... Is an actual name of a place that somebody gets paid to write for. Uh, has this this opportunity um, that John Heyman, you know, can get more attention than usual for uh, for things. I'm curious to see how it all plays out. I love the concept of people writing good things about baseball, subscribers paying for it, uh, not having advertising. Yep. You know, it, it sounds it sounds like this baseball writing utopia for the uh, the the twenty twenties that are quickly approaching. Yeah. Oh God, we're old. But uh, I, I bet <laughs> I bet the no advertising thing is the first to go away. I bet they're going to say in six months or a year. All right, there is a paywall. We still have to have some advertising because. Right. Song, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to keep it outside of the, the actual story, but right. right. There's got to yeah. be something. Yeah. But if they succeed, I hope they break down uh, this sort of norm. Uh, yeah. So yeah. there's part of me that wants to root for it just for the, the, the greater good, but I don't know. Sure. Uh, Green Man, before we let you go, Mets record prediction for this season. Go. 
Mets record prediction. 85 wins. 85. Is that good enough for a wild card berth? No. Okay. No, they no, missed no. the wild card. They missed the wild card. I think, I think, um, you know, I think the Fraser and the Vargas moves, I think moves the needle a tiny bit, you know, get some, like, in the in the shouting distance, okay. let's say, but um, I would probably still say out unless a lot of uh, really good things happened, and we're Mets fans, so that doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Green Man. Thanks for having me. All right. We're going we're we're to tap out. Uh, or tag in, I should say. Yeah. So we're going to have a number of uh, amazing avid contributors stopping by, and uh, we have a new one sliding right now. Please introduce yourself, guest. Hello, I am Allison McCaig, a writer on Amazing Avenue, and I am at Petite PhD on Twitter. And uh, Allison came all the way up from Baltimore. I did! It's pretty insane. Yeah, I wanted to hang out with all you guys, so I drove three hours just to come up here. Well, hopefully we haven't been at this appointment. <laughs> no, it's been fantastic. So, um, you said you had some things you wanted to talk about, specifically involving the broadcast today, right? Yeah, so the most interesting thing that I noticed today, and I, I got to watch this broadcast with my parents in New Jersey, the most interesting thing I noticed about today's broadcast was Wilmer Flores did an interview and he talked about how um, he talked to Mike Piazza and um, and Gary and Keith and Ron were like, oh, what did my what sort of wisdom did Mike Piazza impart to you, Wilmer Flores, about your hitting? And Wilmer Flores was like, well, he said he doesn't really believe in launch angle. And I sort of sat there and laughed because I'm thinking to myself, you're Mike Piazza, of course you don't need launch angle to be successful. You already have this insane power to all Fields like your Mike Piazza and Joey Votto has previously said something similar and it's like of course you don't need launch angle your Joey Votto right, right. so it's like it was interesting to me how like you know I think that these players like I obviously Wilmer Flores listened to Mike Piazza and he's you know a legend but at the same time it's like I feel like you know Mike Piazza had this natural ability and I don't think that these players should let that get in the way of like using whatever tools they can to improve their ability, um, and Ron made a comment in the broadcast today that was like, if you say backup, I'm out, and I'm like, I love Gary, Keith, and Ron, but I feel like Ron's become increasingly angry <laughs> over the years during the broadcast. I think part of this is just that, like, it's convenient for Piazza to say he doesn't believe in launch angle, but I'm sure he, I'm sure his swing at some point was tweaked by a coach who said, if you do this with your swing, you will get more power from it. The words launch angle were not used, and therefore he doesn't believe in it. Right. And like Ron Darling, similarly, I'm sure that if you explain the bad to him using no analytical terms, he would get on board with it. But there's just this knee-jerk reaction to new information. Yeah. For right. Reason. And I think I think the, the conversation between uh, Piazza and Flores sort of speaks to... Uh, I had a thought here. What was it? Damn it. It was a good one. Uh, something about launch angle. It, 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 New language. Uh, yeah, well, no, just it, it, it speaks to, uh, like, you're, you're trying to do something that... Oh, this is... Okay, no. Now I remember what it was. <laughs> if, if, if the current measurements of these things existed... When Mike Piazza was around, he would have been the darling of it all. It would have been like, oh, here's this catcher who annihilates the baseball, hits it 
Like, it's like everything about the way he makes contact is perfect. Uh, and not that he didn't earn enough money relative to what the sport was making and paying at the time. Yeah. But if that guy existed, like, Buster Posey is a great player. He is not Mike Piazza. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like, if, if these things were valued uh, or, or just thrown into, like, normal baseball language when Piazza played, he might have been even that more, uh, that much more valued right. while yeah. he was playing the game. And sure, sure. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's uh, retired players seem to have a hard time like acknowledging anything that's that's different, yeah. But it's not it's not that different. Like I don't I I, I know that there's like the stereotype of like the small fast guy can hit a ground ball because he can beat it out, right? But what percentage of baseball players weren't trying to hit line drives, right? Sure. Like that's always been the ideal, and then like the modern thinking might be slightly more. You know, like elevate a little bit more than a line drive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, and I think that yeah. it's just like you know, like you were saying, Brian. I think it's just that you know these these terms just didn't exist. Right. But they were doing they were making the same adjustments, and it, they were just using these old school terms like you know, hit the ball hard, TM. <laughs> like, and like you know. And I think that it's just that we have terms for these now, and we have numbers for these now. And if baseball savant existed, or like Statcast existed back when Mike Piazza was playing, we would say he had a great launch angle, I'm sure. But we just don't, you know, like he just didn't know it. He was making the adjustments that he needed to do to be successful, and he just didn't realize he was doing the same thing that he's now telling players he doesn't believe in necessarily. So it's funny. So uh, I am like I am the IT person for my office, my parents, and my in-laws, and I know Chris can relate to this to a certain degree. Oh, yeah. And I feel like a lot of times my parents want to, want to do something they used to be able to do, and they can still do it, they just have to think about it differently, and they instantly reject that. Like, no, no, I did things this way, and I want to do it this way again. I feel like that is the retired baseball player's story. Where, like, they don't want to think about anything different than how they did it. So if you tell them, well, lifting the maximum amount of weight is not good, you'd rather do more stretching than that, they're going to criticize them because that, to them, is an, is an affront to how they played the game. Yeah. And so it's more, it's not about new information, it's about telling them that they are not as wise, I don't know the right word is, but there's just... And I, and I feel like it's like unique to baseball, too. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, like this sacred way. And I'm sure there's plenty of like old school players uh, stuff in, in other sports, too. But I feel like baseball has it the most. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that we need to explain to them that nothing fundamentally about the game is changing. It's just a change in how you think about the right. game. But what I what I think the average like fifty year old baseball player thinks is that we look at who played the game, we as analytical fans, and we think that the people who were once great are not great. And that we have this like shadow hall of fame of people who deserve to be great. The reality is put modern metrics to the Hall of Fame, the same folks more or less are in the Hall of Fame. Sure. Yeah, you know, great players are still great players, but there's this understanding that, that that's not the case. And they don't like being told that they were wrong in how they were evaluated. 
Right. And it's not like these guys that were great lucked into it on their own. Like, right. they made all the same sort of adjustments that players are making now. It's just now we have data. Yeah. That's really the only difference. The Veterans Committee this year, to me, did the ultimate of both worlds. They put Alan Trammell in, who was like very much a sabermetric darling, and Jack Morrison, yeah. who was very much an old-school eye test kind of guy. In. And I feel like that's the first time that those two things have been put in at an equal, like, within both physics are important. And while I don't think Jack Morris is a Hall of Famer, I think that I like the fact that we're getting to a place where we can look at things from more than one angle. Yeah. And that's important. And more yeah. often than not, the eye test and the analytics line up. I think that yes. people put too much emphasis on the times when they do not. And don't yes. understand that, like I would say, the majority of the time, if not the vast majority of the time, the eye test and the numbers tell us the same thing. I think as Mets fans, the player that has most recently uh, shown the difference here is Lucas Duda. If you talk to people who aren't analytically inclined about Duda, they'll say he's streaky, Not yeah. and they'll say he strikes out a lot. One of those is half Right. He strikes out a fair amount. But he's not a streaky player. Like, he really isn't. It's just that when you look at things with a, with a with more analytic eye, you can see how valuable he is. But that's, but that's like, my dad is an old-school Mets fan. An old-school baseball fan, rather. He is not a Duda fan yeah. at all. Lucas Duda, still available. Yes, whereas I would rather have Lucas Duda than anybody who would play baseball for the Mets this year. Who play first base for the Mets this year. I would take Duda over any of them. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. They can still sign him. Adrian Gonzalez still looks pretty broken based on two at-bats, small sample size alert, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, Allison, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, guys. We I hope had so much fun tonight. have you on again soon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anytime. Hit awesome. me up. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Allison. Anybody else over there want to come join the podcast? <laughs> Anybody? Bueller. 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 Linda. Linda, come talk about Henrik Lundqvist with us. Is she no? Okay. We can edit that out. No, we can't. <laughs> uh, wait, alright, the email Yes, so um, we have to apologize to our friend David He had emailed us a couple weeks ago And we've got a really weird recording schedule And so we missed the email And so uh, we are uh, We're going to get to that now Chris is looking it up as I talk But I just want to say, this has been a, a great ARG We've had a number of folks From uh, from contributors To readers, to new staff To uh it's been really cool. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, we've had some good beers, some good food, and uh, we're going to try and do a few more sort of meetup events this year. And so if you're listening to this, you should make sure to go to amazingadmin.com and check out any posts we have about meetups. So Chris, you have the email in front of you. Give us a, give us a read here. I do. So David emailed us, and, and we missed it on the previous episode, but he said, Hey guys, the Todd Frazier signing has moved me, moved me to write my first email of the offseason. I'm impressed by the Mets. Uh, moves to improve their hitting and perhaps their defense this offseason. And while they won't be confused with a high-spending team anytime soon, Sandy and ownership have shown a willingness to add above-average players on reasonable contracts that we shouldn't simply dismiss out of hand. 
It appears the Mets now have improved themselves at four out of eight positions. First, second, third, and right field. As I think Adrian Gonzalez, Dribble Cabrera, uh, Todd Frazier, and Jay Bruce are all likely improvements over Donald Smith, Wilmer Flores, Brandon Nimmo, and at third base, who knows, Matt Reynolds. so yes. Former Matt Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. So since since this email, uh, yeah, Matt Reynolds isn't around anymore. So, uh, but yeah, we get the point. Uh, so yes, on the one hand, the Mets deserve some credit for improving the offense, and I feel pretty comfortable with the lineup going into 2018. Yet the Mets' issue last year was not that they didn't hit. They were ranked 14th out of 30 teams in OPS last year. They were ranked higher than that in home runs and slugging percentage. The Mets' pitching, on the other hand, was historically bad. I believe their ERA of 5.01 was the worst in team history. They ranked 28th in baseball, and their batting average against ranked 29th. Can the Mets confidently go into 2018, having added only one pitcher, Anthony Swarzak? Wouldn't the Mets have been better off taking the money they've utilized to improve a league average offense and dedicated to improve their historically bad pitching? What are your thoughts? Uh, love the podcast. Let's go, Mets. David. So, uh, since we missed this, obviously things have... have Changed a little. They did add Jason Vargas, and we opened the episode talking about that. Uh, but yeah, I, since I read the email, I will let you start to answer the question. All right. Well, you know, part of the problem here is that the Mets pitching was historically bad last year because the Mets pitching was historically injured last year. So on one hand, you can understand the idea of hey, if all our pitchers are healthy, we have a above average starting rotation. That is very true. The problem is, guaranteeing health of starting pitching is a, is a fool's errand, and we have lots of evidence of pitching injury happening. And, you know, I, I, can't, I can't in good conscience expect the Mets to not be injured this year. So, you wind up with this question of, well, how much is enough to spend while still believing in the pitching you have on hand. So, I think Vargas is a help. I think Swarzak is a help. I think if Vargas pushes a Lugo or a Wheeler into the bullpen, that is also a help. But I would still like to have seen another signing or two in the bullpen. Chris, would you be more happy with another bullpen signing or another starting pitcher signing? Uh... So, like we talked about earlier, an upgraded pitching signing would have done more for me. And, uh, you know, the Mets have plenty of intriguing arms in the organization. Uh, even after they lost Josh Smoker, who, you know, may or may not be anything right. in the long term. Uh, but even after that, they have plenty of intriguing arms. All the guys they got at the trade deadline last year, Jacob Rame, who we spoke to last week, um, you know, there's plenty of possibly good guys in that group, but there aren't enough sure things. And especially for a team that's talking about carrying eight relievers regularly, they have four who are, like, for lack of a better term, proven uh, relievers. Right, right. Who will avoid the proven closers tag, but, you know, guys who have done it at the major league level and done it well. Um, Ramos, Amelia, Levins, uh, and Swarzak are right. pretty much the four. Right. You know, I don't think anybody thinks the console Robles is necessarily a proven believer at this point. No, and last year did a lot to cast doubt upon who he is. 
yes. going into last year, I, I think I had him as like the best seventh inning guy in the game. I and, think you did. And, uh, you know, he made me look silly. So maybe he'll do it again. But there's there's just so much variance in, in what they have on the pitching side of things that I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the overall sense, uh, the overall sentiment, I should say, that, you know, I wish they did more with the pitching. Uh, there, there are reasons to be concerned about the lineup considering the guys who were here last year who aren't now, but pitching was a major issue, and I would have rather at least sign one more reliever. Even if you told me I had, it had to be Vargas and not Leonard Cobb, uh, fine. But go get me that one more reliever. So there are five guys who I can count on and only two or three slots in that bullpen that are a little more uh, uncertain. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm 50%. If we're talking an eight-man bullpen and a five-man rotation, I feel exactly 50% confident in both in terms of roster spots. Okay. DeGrom, Syndergaard, and half, well, I'll give Vargas a half. So two and a half. And bullpen, the four guys we mentioned, and the four others. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm confident in exactly half of the pitching staff going into the air. That, so let's do this, and then let's close up shop for now. Yeah. Um... Who do you see as the Mets' eight-man bullpen, five-man rotation to start the season? Uh, because our brains all work this way, we'll start with the rotation. DeGrom, Syndergaard. Uh, I'll say DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey. This is the toughest call of the month. Yes, it is. But I'll say DeGrom, Syndergaard, Harvey, Mats. Vargas. I agree. And then you switch over to the bullpen. Uh, Ramos, Blevins, Familia, Swarzak, Wheeler. I'm, I'm going to throw him in there. And to start the season, I think I, I probably Wheeler, Gazelman. Uh, it could be Robles. And it could be Montero because he's out of options. Yeah. So that. So uh, let me, I'll say Wheeler, Gazelman. Uh, Montero and Ro- Robles is an option. You said Robles already. No, no, no. no. Well, the sorry, four. Sorry. Wheeler, Gazelman. Right, we're talking the four. Wheeler, Gazelman, Montero because he's out of options. And then there's one guy yeah. left. Uh, it could be Robles, but I could see it being, uh, you know. Jacob Rain, Jamie Callahan. Into uh, lefty purchase cheaply here. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. That right. sums it up. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on the rotation. I think we're going to get, before we talk about Familia, Levins, Ramos, and Swarzak, plus I'm going to say Wheeler, Lugo, Montero, and Rain. And that is where the tape cut off. I had about 30 minutes left in my recorder, and we used all of it up. So uh, luckily, it was kind of the end of a thought, <clears throat> so we're just going to go from there. Thanks again to everybody who came out to the ARG. We had such a great time. We really uh, enjoyed meeting folks from as far away as Colorado, believe it or not. We had some people come 
from all over. It was it was super fun, and we hope to do it again at a Mets game and maybe a Cyclones game. We were talking about also uh, this season. Um, we missed our friends Steve Saipa, Jeff Paternostro, Aaron York, a number of the sort of usual Amazing Avenue meetup guys couldn't make it for whatever reasons, be it work or illness or a flooded basement. But uh, we missed you guys. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see you guys at the next ARG. And um, you can uh, obviously go to AmazingAvenue.com. We're doing our season preview series. We are starting to get ready to do some uh, some spring training game threads. It's going to be going to be a fun month as we prepare for the start of the regular season. You can also find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can download this show from blogtalkradio.com. You can subscribe in Stitcher or in iTunes. I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts. I always mess up that branding. Uh, they should never have changed it. But that's a whole other story. Um, while you're there, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show, uh, specifically in Apple Podcasts. That helps us quite a bit. And you can follow everybody who you heard on the show tonight. I am at Brian Needs a Nap. Chris is at Chris McShane. Steve is at S Schreiber 13. And Allison is at Petite PhD. And so next time we talk to you guys, we'll be deeper into spring training. I'm sure we'll have uh, maybe a leg up in the King of Spring Training competition. I'm sure everyone, including you, our fair listener, will be in the best shape of their lives. And so until next time, let's go. Oh, oh before I go, I'm sorry. Um, friend of the podcast, uh, Liam, stopped by for one drink and gave me this note to read, and he said it was a an existential, or maybe he said philosophical, take on this season. Three o'clock is always too late or too early for anything you want to do, and Sartre said that, and uh, it's five o'clock somewhere, Jim Brown and Dan Rollins said that, so that's Liam's message to the podcast listeners, uh, and so until next time, let's go Mets. Thank you.